Welcome back to Endurance Icons, where we sit down with individuals who are excelling and inspiring in the world of endurance sports. We are your hosts, Mark and Jessica Cullen, and today we are talking to Ben Popjoy. Now, there was a night recently where I was scrolling through LinkedIn and I said to Mark, stop everything. We need to interview this man. Um, the, the Peak, which is a newsletter I, I assume many of you are very aware of, uh, shared this uh, journey with uh, his followers. And I have to tell you this story. I cannot wait to dive in. So Ben is currently in the process of tackling the Marathon Earth Challenge, where he will aim to break the Guinness World Record for the most marathons completed in a calendar year. We have so many questions about this. So Ben, welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here as well. So I first need to ask, where are you joining us from? Because you are going all around the world on this challenge. Yeah, I am currently joining you from beautiful Mexico City to all the Canadians going through the polar vortex. Uh, it is quite cold down here. It's only about 14 degrees. So, you know, I share your pain. So... <laughs> We, we, we definitely are feeling that pain. We did a workout this morning and the winds are bitter. Um, for anyone who's watching this on YouTube, um, there's a beautiful background that shows the location of Ben. So uh, we're feeling a little jealous there. Um, but Ben, I'd love to talk about what you have on tap today. Do you have a run plan today or is today a recovery day for you? No, uh, I'm actually going to go uh, pound out a marathon right after this call. And my wife is like joining me at one o'clock Mexico time. I haven't seen her in five weeks. So I'm oh. um, definitely going to go quick and get it done. Amazing. Well, we will try not to take too long for you in that case. But um, firstly, like, how are you feeling? And what merit you're on marathon number what at this point? Yeah, I'm feeling like quite good. I've done 29 marathons since the start of the year with, you know, another kind of like 210 to go. It is quite a busy schedule of five marathons a week with kind of like two rest days, which for video or audio listeners I'm doing in kind of quotations because they're pretty much like travel days. So it's quite hectic, but the way I've kind of like mentally made sense of it is it's just like going to a job five days a week doing physical labor. Uh, and I have a weekend off and, you know, the weekend days off are kind of unpredictable. Which is fair. And you're, you said you're feeling fairly good at this point. Um, I, I think in, in solidarity to you, we did a very, very difficult, uh, workout this morning. We, we didn't run a marathon. We ran 29 kilometers into a headwind. So we have like all this fueling around us right now. We decided to come in sort of tired for you. Um, because, but we have certainly not done 29 marathons. Um, I would love to know, were you a runner growing up? How did this passion start for you? Yeah, I was actually like, uh, I would say like objectively, like quite a pathetic athlete growing up my whole <laughs> life, uh, played like recreational soccer because my parents are, you know, uh, British immigrants and did a bit of track and field played a bit of recreational hockey where like I accidentally scored a goal, but uh, I'm as every man as they come. And um, truthfully, like my kind of tripping into endurance sports was sort of by accident and much like Forrest Gump, I kind of started and just kind of kept going. I love that. And I know from, you know, the moment that I saw this incredible attempt, uh, one of the things about me is that I instantly get a PhD in anything I'm fascinated about. I dive in, I research everything. Um, and one of the things we uncovered is that in 2015, 
you did something huge. In fact, you lost a hundred pounds. I'd love to hear a little bit about what that journey was like for you. Yeah. So it was like quite interesting, like during my kind of teens and twenties, I was like somewhat uh, physical. And then I went to university, which I didn't enjoy. And I found that like, I kind of turned inwards and just like ended up doing a lot of like emotional eating and kind of like fast forward a few years, um, ended up morbidly obese as I kind of entered the advertising and marketing industry, which is like a world of like late nights and like dinners brought to your desks. And I professionally thrived as I kind of personally withered and then um, was brought back to a job in Toronto where I kind of had this like very embarrassing collision with millennials. And I kind of showed up to the party as like the wild child as I had all these young colleagues that were like, oh, I don't party. I spin on this day and I do Pilates on that day. And I was so embarrassed uh, by how much that I stuck out. Ooh, I might have to move now since I turn on a hot tub that, um, you know, I pretty much just started thinking about how to change my life. I was so embarrassed by my kind of physical conditioning that I started walking. And that was kind of like my entry point to, you know, start going further and further and change my lifestyle. Well, that is inspiring. I love it. Often to make a change like that, there is that one moment. And it sounds like that was a pretty profound moment. Um, this has absolutely nothing to do with what we were talking about, but the windows in your room are beautiful. Uh, you just gave a little bit of a tour as you were walking. Totally. It's like, I, this is, this well is like lit. the roof. <laughs> this is like the rooftop. So <clears throat> excuse me. It's not, it's not my room, but it's a, it's a pretty sweet space. Wow. It's beautiful. Um, okay. What do you love about running? Well, I think like, I first just want to preface that, you know, since 2015, I've done like 63,000 uh, kilometers by foot, more than like 600 kilometers. And I don't really like identify as a runner because to essentially achieve that much speed, uh, sorry, that much kind of like distance, I go like very slow. And I think what's unique about my approach is that I have like a backpack on full of camera gear. Mm -hmm. And to me doing these freestyle marathons, which is like a marathon beyond the course, I really do it because I'm a creative at heart. And I think it's like the best medium to observe the human condition, like, you know, running through Tokyo or New York or barrios or shanty towns. Uh, and so for me, it essentially enables this kind of pace to kind of really observe the world as it is, not through a moving car or a tour bus or a taxi cab. Um, and it just makes me feel really like grounded to the world and really like inspired by all the tenacity I see, you know, I think in the endurance world, a lot of people are like, you know, there's this like killer savage attitude and, you know, let's not kid ourselves. Exercise is elective. And a lot of people have it like harder than most. And when I feel like I'm going to quit and I see these people like really busting their asses out there, like that does put wind in my sails. So I just love being out in the world and physically moving through it. That's incredible. And I, I know that you touched on the fact that you worked in advertising and marketing. Um, you quit that job to do this. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about like that decision-making process, what led you there, and then talk about how you are bringing all of those incredible skill sets into what you're doing right now. Yeah, totally. So during, I guess, 2021, during the lockdown in Ontario, which is one of the longest lockdowns in the world, which like I totally get, I'm into being in part of the, the social contract. 
I did like 174 marathons in the calendar year. And for a joke, I submitted the results to the Guinness Book of World Records because it only cost like five quid and they kind of rejected it saying it was too niche. So I was like, if I did that with like a really difficult job, like, and I became fun employed, like I bet I could pretty easily uh, break that uh, world record. So much to the dismay of my wife, who's like a responsible adult, I quit my job and sold everything and went all chips in. And I think for me, the kind of skills I brought from the advertising world um, where I kind of worked on campaigns was just kind of like storytelling and making beautiful imagery. And that's what I'm doing in this project right now. So talk to us a little bit about that documentary. You're creating, you're taking, uh, you know, images, video through all of this. What are you seeing for this end result? Um, I mean, I just do these things to do these things and put out a lot of free content in the world because I think it brings people like yourself into my orbit and also inspires others. So um, the task at hand is like very difficult. So I'm trying to do it like day by day, like, you know, almost marathon by marathon and what will be, uh, will be, but what I hope, you know, everybody kind of paid a price living through the pandemic. And what I hope is that what I'm revealing through the imagery is like the world is still a beautiful place that we should cherish and hopefully get outside and go kind of examine and explore. So you say you're seeing your wife for the first time in five weeks. Um, she's the responsible one. Talk to us a little bit about um, the support that you have with your family um, behind this. I mean, it's incredible that uh, she's coming to visit you. Um, talk about about maybe how that conversation went and and how that dynamic and support works now. Yeah, that's a, a great question. I mean, first, like I obviously have to give like huge props to my wife. She's actually um, one of the editors at the Toronto Star. So her more so than anyone else, like gets a kind of newsworthy story. I just think that she personally hated that this like applied to her. So there definitely <laughs> was like a lot of negotiation because, you know, my mom likes to joke that she married like an alley cat. So you can't expect like a house cat. Uh, that said, you know, I think when you have divergent dreams, they can be a nightmare for the other person. So this is very much an idea that was created in consultation with her. Um, and I'm coming home in between legs. She's coming out to see me. And uh, she has obviously given me an incredibly long leash. And it's my duty not to hang myself with that, you know. So awesome. Um, let's dive into this journey a little bit. I think we got tons of questions that we can hop into based on uh, the planning, what you've already done, where you're going with this. Uh, maybe let's start out with kind of when did you initially like kind of commit to this idea and what was kind of your initial like planning around locations and logistics for this? Yeah, so almost about like a year ago, I had like a virtual town hall at work where they celebrated my eighth year anniversary. And I just saw like an infinity symbol on uh, my desktop. And so I just like quit my job the next day. Um, <laughs> because it felt like endless. And then when I quit my job and told my wife, uh, somehow she wasn't surprised. Uh, but then I was like, uh, what am I going to do next? And I was like, oh, cool. I'm just going to go do this thing. So I came up with the Marathon Earth Challenge based on being rejected by Guinness World Records. I was like, cool, I'm going to move along and prove them wrong. And then given how quickly the world changes uh, and obviously wanting to trek through ideal uh, weather conditions, I sequenced uh, where I would go based on ideal weather patterns, trying to beat like the Canadian winters or rainy monsoon seasons. And so I have sequenced that 
continentally to do uh, four legs. So I'm kind of in South America now, then I go to kind of Africa, Middle East, uh, then to Europe, then close out the year in Asia. And I kind of book everything leg by leg because I've, as we've seen over the last year, the world can change so quickly. Like Pakistan was washed out, war broke out in Ukraine. And if you've ever booked an airline ticket and you tried to get a refund, it's impossible. So I'm kind of booking it leg by leg. Uh, and then doing kind of real postmortems in between with my wife to say, am I gone too long? And, you know, renegotiating the original negotiation so she doesn't divorce me, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, it, <laughs> it's smart. You mentioned a number of the locations there. Do you have like Canada and the U.S. planned in that as well? Uh, partially. I've just done like Canada so often. Uh, and this really is a wants in a lifetime opportunity that mm -hmm. I want to see new parts of the world. And to be honest, like, you know, I am traveling through dangerous places, but I just find America to be like one of the most dangerous places in the world with like gun violence that's like mm -hmm. out of control. And I know that sounds crazy to people who maybe have not traveled, uh, but, you know, it's just a bit of a kind of a failed state right now. So I'm avoiding stuff like the U.S. and Somalia. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, so you're, you said you're 29 in the bank so far? 29 in the bank. Nice. Um, tell us about some of your uh, locations you've been and maybe your favorite ones that you've been through thus far. It looks like you hit pretty much everywhere in South America. Yeah, uh, because of the nature of this trip, like I have to kind of stick to capital cities because of proximity to the airport. So there's so many beautiful places that I'm missing. And I want to acknowledge that because people might be like, why are you always in cities? But um, you know, I did a red eye flight and I ended up in La Paz, Bolivia, which is like 3,600 meters above elevation. Uh, above sea level, sorry, where there's so much incline everywhere um, and thin air that it was just so wild. Uh, so that was really interesting. And then I did like a marathon on the Galapagos and was like hanging out with like tortoises and sea lions. And I honestly don't know if that's like ever being done. So that was like super rad. There's no cell service. So I have like a Garmin satellite device I'm trying to navigate on. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, like, Every place is fundamentally awesome if you put in the time to marathon through it and look for the gems that it reveals. So, um, yeah, but I mean, like crazy elevation down here, wildlife, it's been incredible. And when you look at the flow, often when you, you know, talk to anyone who's done anything, this type of, you know, cross continent adventuring, there's always some element of misadventure. Have you had any sort of snags in your travel or any, um, you know, things that you've needed to overcome uh, so far? Knock on wood, this one has gone uh, really well so far. But, you know, on marathons past, like Buenos Aires, like a woman like jumped on uh, my back and bit like a chunk out of my arm. She was like mentally unwell. Oh, yeah. And then last time I was in Mexico, like, <laughs> I think that, that fits what we're looking, we were looking for. Yeah. And then like last time I was in Mexico, like a cop robbed me, but I always carry a dummy wallet. So he didn't get anything. And then like in Toronto, someone like slashed me in the knife, in the leg with a knife. So like that happens <laughs> and Bad. the world, like the world, like isn't a dangerous place. And I don't like to kind of glamorize that. It's really just like the law of averages. Like if you spend yeah. as much time as I do outside, there's just that exposure and you just have to accept that. So uh, so far here, so good. I had a bit of like a lung infection, uh, I think from like Columbia, from like the pollution. It's quite diesel down here, uh, but I got over that. And then, you know, appetite gets affected at elevation. But beyond that, so far, so good. You know, no one plans an accident. So it's going to be awesome until the second that it isn't. 
Well, the fact that that was a, oh yeah, and then these stories, I feel like you could experience what most people would feel is a, like a sincere misadventure and you would take it in stride and just say, this is just a part of the experience. I'm getting that vibe from you. So. Yeah, I don't look for it. There's also another time I did like an ultra marathon from Jerusalem and in the West Bank. And then like this armed skirmish broke out in Palestine. And like, I literally was just like running through chaos. I was like, that one was kind of crazy. But also like yesterday, yeah, yesterday I was in like Brasilia, the capital of Brazil. And, uh, you know, it obviously had just been kind of sacked like the Capitol building. They just did like a copycat of the US. And so I wanted to get up close, didn't think it was like realistic, but then there was like secret service being let in. So I just ran in and I met the president. So I posted about that on Instagram yesterday because I just got a selfie with the president and that's like mad funny. So the world is like a magical place. And if you just like go poke around, you'll have a good time. It's true. So question for you with all of these adventures that you're collecting, and because these really are incredible stories, Ben, do you have any aspirations of putting it together in a book or... Um, you know, collecting all of this as sort of a, a work at the end of this experience? Yeah, I think so. I think like, you know, you have to do these things to do them. This is like quite demanding, like doing five marathons a week is like, you know, I'm doing over 200 kilometers a week. So that's the focus. But I have created like a newsletter uh, that I am publishing like every week. It's free and it kind of recounts a lot of these stories like in a long form, uh, nonfiction type of style. So uh, that was done just to kind of bring everyone along for the ride and to kind of like share hyperlinks to kind of absolutely all the amazing places that I find. And then thereafter, you know, might possibly write a book. But for like memoirs, like I'm only like 41. And if you write it now, you know, what happens for the rest of your life, you know? So who knows? I think like maybe it'll materialize. I have no clue. But for right now, just trying to share it for free on social and through the newsletter uh, to inspire people to get out there. And people can find that newsletter on your website? Yes, benpobjoy.com. Uh, hopefully you guys can list the spelling the show notes because his last name yeah. is a nightmare. <laughs> no, we'll definitely share that in the show notes. Um, how do you fit in? Uh, because a newsletter is a great deal of work, especially when you're collecting all of these links. Where are you fitting in the time to make sure that you are producing number one, this incredible free content to inspire people online and a newsletter, which could be some people's full-time job and you're layering in this incredible record on top. Yeah, the newsletter was something I had never done um, and was kind of like sold to me by Brett Chang uh, from The Peak, who's a friend and my brother who does like a dental focused newsletter uh, called The Morning Floss. And so I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do this. And then when I started doing it, I was like, this thing is such a beast. Like it probably takes like, I don't know, 20 hours a week. And so, you know, I'm out marathoning as I'm shooting photos, as I'm taking notes. And then I come home exhausted and spend like hours writing. So had I known how long it would take, I probably wouldn't have done it, but now I'm in. So I'm just trying to make it happen. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't need a lot of sleep. You know, I've been on 20 flights this year. So I kind of work on it on airplanes and in airport terminals and then sometimes pull an all-nighter on Friday to try and publish Saturday morning. But yeah, the newsletter is a nightmare. So I hope people get <laughs> something from it. That's why I, I leaned in on that because you, you just sort of threw out the newsletter. It is something that to do well, which you are doing, it takes, I just wanted to underscore how much time that takes on top of what you're doing. 
Um, yeah, and I think for anyone interested out there, uh, I'm trying to kind of like break the mold in endurance sports in terms of like the storytelling around it. Um, so I think if you like travel or photography or arts and culture, like you will get something from the newsletter because I'm pretty much operating like a foreign correspondent doing marathons, trying to kind of document everything. So it's not like a hardcore read for people who want kind of, you know, statistics and splits and stuff like that. So I try and keep it broad, uh, mostly because, you know, I want people out in the world. No. And I think that's, I mean, that's why you're here. People love the story of it. They love the adventure of it. And I think that that's ultimately when we really lean into why people do endurance, what I repeatedly hear is, you know, finding your limits and exploring and getting to have these adventures. And, you know, there's so many incredible ways to do that. And I love that you are finding such a unique way to do it. And hopefully, you know, setting this incredible world record along the way. Um, so you mentioned that you don't need a lot of sleep. How much sleep do you get on average through all of this? It really varies. Like, you know, on a, on a good night is kind of like eight hours. Uh, but like the other day I did two marathons in two days and then did a red eye flight to Brasilia, um, where I got no sleep. And then I landed and did a marathon and then <laughs> I did a red eye to get to like Mexico um, yesterday, I don't even know what date is maybe I've slept two hours and then I'm going to go marathon. And so, um, it physically sucks and it is difficult, but when you have these new external inputs, it's so inspiring that you can just kind of like bite down on your, you know, proverbial mouth guard and kind of get it done. So there's not a lot of sleep. I'm also vegan, which is like such a nightmare, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, I regret it so much, but I have a vegan tattoo. So I kind of got to stick with it. <laughs> um, so like that adds another layer of difficulty, <laughs> like grocery shopping and eating. So this whole thing is like a nightmare. That's a dream. You know, it's the only way I can say it. So how do you manage being vegan while you travel? You, I, I hear, so it's a nightmare, but you clearly are making it work. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, joking aside, much of the world lives on like a plant-based diet where like meat is a luxury. So um, the great thing about South America, because of the temperate climate is there's so many street vendors. So it's actually like amazing because you can just be like marathoning and then there's like fruit stands and coconut water. Uh, and one thing I found was amazing was eating like a deep fried plantain, like halfway through a marathon, which like seems like a terrible idea. And I thought it could be a terrible idea, but the kind of ratio of like fat to carb to sugar was just like incredible. So you just kind of make it happen. And uh, it's what I love about, you know, my self-described freestyle marathons is I don't have coaches. I don't have water stations. I don't have like porta potties that I can hit. It's just like problem solving along the way. Uh, and that's like part of the, the fun for me. So yeah, it's definitely not for everyone. And I think what other people would see as incredibly inconvenient. I just see it as like a really fun challenge. I love that. When, when did you go vegan? Oh God, I read like just such a stupid book in high school. And then like over like 25 years ago, and then now I've just like stayed with it just to kind of terrorize, uh, everyone in my life, you know? <laughs> You might be my new favorite vegan, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hate uh, identifying as that because we have like such a, a bad rep, you know what I mean? But um, I also, I would say like on this trip, 
the definition of veganism is like as dumpster as it gets, you know, like there are times when I have to eat just like uh, 30 Oreos because it's like all I can find. So this is just making it work, you know? Well, I think that's a perfect segue into we asked our audience to submit questions. We had mentioned that we're going to be meeting with you today. So I'd like to dive into some of those. They're so interested in how you recover from this day after day. You said that you have five uh, days in a week. It's sort of like a week, a work week for you. And then you take two days off. What are you doing in between there to expedite your recovery outside of eating 30 Oreos? <laughs> um, nothing, absolutely nothing <laughs> to be like dead on it. So like, I would say like over the last eight years, like when you do kind of like 63,000 plus kilometers, like I'm often doing like 10,000 plus kilometer years. So Every day I am going like rain or shine. And uh, I think people would be surprised how quickly your body adapts. So, you know, like on this trip, I have like blisters on blisters. I have like black toes. Um, and that's just kind of the way it goes. And, you know, historically I've done Cairo, I've done RMT. I have like a Theragun that my wife bought me that I hate. That thing's like a torture device. Uh, I've done supplements and because I knew the kind of restrictions of this trip, like I essentially weaned myself off of it because I just knew it would be hell and I'd have like none of those luxuries. So uh, there's, there's no recovery, but it's terrible, you know, like, uh, and the days that I have off, I'm on airplanes. And then when you get off the airplane, like you feel even worse, like your calves are cramped, your feet are all like inflamed. So uh, they actually just turned on a hot tub today. And like this whole time I wanted to jump in the water anywhere, but I can't cause like I'll get robbed. Cause like, I have no one to watch my backpack. So I think after doing like 29 marathons, going in the hot tub will probably be pretty dope. So that's the first chance of recovery, I guess. And now your, your wife can watch your backpack so you can go into the hot tub. I know it's amazing. <laughs> she doesn't swim. So it's perfect. Oh my gosh. Um, another question. So it was submitted and now I'm even more curious hearing about what you're up against. How do you not get injured? Uh, well, I think like two things, uh, for me, my passion is going slow to going far. And so I really try and be kind of like slow in my pace and light in my gait so that like, I don't crunch like my knees and my hips. Uh, but down here in South America, where there is a lot of like incline and elevation, like some of the sidewalks, like I kind of periodically post photos, they did, they're, they're like ankle snapping and they're just like holes, like in the floor, like four feet, you'll just fall into like raw sewage. So you just got to be like really careful. And given that I've done so many kilometers, I kind of know how to like shift on my body to kind of like change my stride from like a heel strike to being on the pads of my feet, even changing um, my posture so that I'm really aligned over my hips. And I've just been kind of lucky. And the reality is like injuries like do flare up, but I knew what I was signing up for. I've done like projects before where I did like five altars in five days across like um, Australia and New Zealand. And then when I turned 40, I did like nine marathons, nine days, nine different countries in like Europe. So I have done stuff like this before. I know that it's like kind of like terrible slash fun. Uh, and I've just kind of adapted to it, I guess. It's incredible. And 
Um, and another question we got was how do you avoid like blisters and chafing? Cause you're out there for a marathon five days in a row. A lot of times, like how do you avoid some of that stuff? Yeah, this trip is like a bit of a challenge because everything I have has to fit on my back, uh, in a backpack. Like I have no luggage. I have no race producers or fixers or, uh, places where I can send things so far ahead. So I do have like a 30 pound bag on my back, uh, quite often. And so like, you During know, the there, yeah, yeah. There was like, cause it just has everything, like my passports, my camera, like change of clothes, like some useless first aid kit that isn't going to do anything if things go wrong. Uh, so yeah, I mean like, you know, have had chafing on my back, uh, you know, my feet, I knew I'd have like blisters and blisters. And like one of the things that was like, just really unfortunate about the parameters of like this trip is like, I only bring one pair of shoes. So you just get that same rubbing like every day, but I've learned, uh, like my feet are like disgusting. Um, and I've learned that like, if I don't touch them and I just let them kind of like callous, they just become these like exoskeletons. Um, so you know, I'll never start an OnlyFans for my feet, uh, but you know, I mean, that kinda... niche might be out there, Ben. You'd never know. Yeah, don't. I know. Don't shut the I door. On it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, like, yeah, it all it all happens, and it's like, I think the one thing I just, you know, joking aside, I try and be like very on top of is like, you know, tending to any kind of like broken skin because if you get infections in these conditions where it's like, you know, thirty-five degrees Celsius with like seventy percent humidity, it's like game over. And like so far, so good. Oh man. And how many toenails, uh, left are we talking at this point? <laughs> Somehow, like I only have like one black toe, like on my okay. big toe and it's like holding on. Uh, but like the first two weeks were like pretty, uh, intense because the like inclines and the kind of rockiness if people are not watching on video, I'm kind of like rotating my hand, but really like jacking my ankle. So like my foot was really kind of shaking around in my in my shoe but kind of like over that hump for now for the time being nice um what are some locations coming up that you're like really looking forward to yeah locations coming up i think um i'm very excited to get like back to africa which is like a continent i haven't done um a lot of marathoning through i've only gone to marrakesh before so Going to Ethiopia will be amazing. I'm gonna go to like Iraq uh, to go marathon there, which I think will be quite fascinating. Um, getting back to like Asia, like I think, you know, Japan is like one of the most phenomenal places to like marathon. It is just like such a remarkable place. And like, truthfully, like, I feel like it is such a blessing to be able to travel to anywhere else and do a marathon there that like, there's always something that I find that makes it worthwhile. And what about like the language barriers? How do you deal with that? Cause you're, do you, are you like, can you speak a number of different languages? Or are you just, uh, yeah, lots, um, lots of hand signs as you're, yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> I can, I can speak obviously English. I hope this podcast is like a testament to that, uh, as well <laughs> as uh, French, because uh, I grew up in France and then did French immersion. But beyond that, you know, my Spanish is kind of like very limited. I will say like, I would not have been able to do a project like this 10 years ago. Um, it is so technology dependent on my smartphone. So everything from using, you know, 
Google Maps and all trails to navigate to kind of some of these like translation apps now where, you know, through the Google app, you can take photos of menus in other language. It translates into, um, you know, your kind of like mother tongue. So there are barriers, but I do find like technology more and more is like breaking that down. And there's a lot of gestures to, you know, mm-hmm. to make it work. Nice. So you, you had mentioned, um, that you, before this podcast that you had grown a beard for sun protection, what were some of the other like surprises kind of along the way that you needed to kind of adapt to over these first 29 marathons to make sure that, um, yeah, you're not getting sunburnt or injured and things like that. Uh, it's mostly just going through, uh, airport security and how like arbitrary it is in every place. Like, at one airport, they took like my, you know, like a straight razor, like just a Gillette one. And I was like, great. So like now I just like look <laughs> even worse. Uh, and then I've had a lot of problems with like my Garmin satellite communication device. Um, because I have like a backpack of like all this camera gear and I wear my, I wear dog tags embossed with like my passport information in case I ever get like blasted by a car and they got to identify my body. So I think when I go through security, they think I'm like, military or like um like cia and so i just always have like tons of problems so that's just been like the biggest nightmare and i'm just like i don't know and i pull up my phone i show maps i go look i'm doing these like little marathons everywhere and then i get so confused i'm just like oh piss off so that's it so far <laughs> how many pairs of shoes do you go through i mean on this one this whole project is like entirely self-funded um, not by choice, just by like, kind of like reality. So I, I don't have like any sponsors. So for right now, like, I'm just like ripping, uh, in like a, a pair of kind of like Nike, like trail shoes. So, uh, you know, I think there's like common convention on how quickly one should change their shoes approximately every 700 kilometers, but like, I'm stretching these for like thousands right now, you know? So uh Thank it just you. keeps send like the, this man uh, a pair of shoes yeah, send him some no, I, i'm like Let's i'm go. like i'm like just doing it out here but you know it was funny because i did reach out to like every brand i could think of and uh no one no one really responded because i think in this day and age um i exist like in a weird place where i'm like i'm not an influencer i don't have a big social following and like i don't do races because i just like to kind of explore in the world so i don't think anyone knows what to make of me so that's why i have one pair of shoes I feel like your TikTok would blow up with all these uh, wild stories and oh, the live God. footage along the way. <laughs> Not no, that anybody like, wants, I, was, I, I don't want to do TikTok either. No, I was trying to do TikTok, but I'm like 40 and I'm balding. And it just makes me feel like such a loser. Like, I feel like that old guy at the club. So like I did a few, but I'm just like, this is so embarrassing for me. So I'm more like just photos of the world for the time yeah. being, you know? I respect that. That's more our vibe too. We do yeah. it out of necessity, but yeah, I don't enjoy it either. Yeah. It's, it's fun to learn. And I do think, I, I personally think your TikTok would blow up and you don't need to be embarrassed, Ben. But if any sponsors are listening, I do think that there's an incredible niche out there for you of, you know, there are brands that align with this whole idea of adventure. And it's not just about, you know, take lactate testing and getting your splits that, I mean, that we do it for the joy of it as well. And I think your attitude and sort of the, the general 
um, I would say vibe you're bringing to it. It's, it's laid back and it's one of like curiosity and interest. And I would say so much respect for the different places that you're visiting. Um, so we, we look forward to following your journey. I'd love, we've talked a little bit about what you want to produce as a part of this, but I'd love to dig into what, what legacy do you want to leave as a part of this adventure? Yeah. When you ask that question, um, I had never really like, kind of like thought about it. Um, because I don't, everyone is always like, life is so short. I'm like, life is so long, you know? So I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Um, I just think, you know, I hope my legacy is that it's never too late to turn it around. Like, you know, in my thirties, I was like morbidly obese. I lost like a hundred pounds through beginning to move. And, you know, I just fundamentally believe that we're all more capable than we think we are. And I want people to go out into the world and be inspired about it and don't be afraid about it and to go live kind of like raw and unfiltered. Like, you know, the news does kind of distill things into very snackable um, bites for us to kind of like digest, but the world is like a very nuanced place. And so you know, had I just listened to the internet about all the places I would go, I would go, like, I, I wouldn't have gone because everything's dangerous and it's this and that. But it's like, when you get out there, like, you know, working people are just trying to work and people love their friends and family and want to enjoy one another and like to play in the park. And so get out there and see it and be inspired by it and contribute to it. So I hope that's the legacy of like, unending like optimism and curiosity. And when things go wrong, just accepting that it's the law of averages, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's a pretty great legacy, Ben. Uh, we invited you on because you're an endurance icon to us because what you're doing is absolutely incredible and inspiring, but love to know who's your endurance icon. Yeah, definitely. The first person that comes to mind is like Terry Fox, like as a Canadian, I think he's like a real icon. I love that he set, um, you know, such like a massive project, like really inspired me to do this project. And I love that like his legacy has been uh, a yearly event where it's non-competitive and you kind of do whatever distance you want. So conceptually, like he's definitely like my biggest like icon. Uh, I'm also a really big fan of like the American, like Ricky Gates, who did like his Trans America project where he kind of like ran across America and told stories along the way. And then I just also loved like Courtney DeWalter. Like she's obviously mm -hmm. like such a savage and uh, I just love that a woman is like decimating like men. I think that's like so incredible. And she's just such a like lovable oddball, like eating pizza and like sour keys. Um, I just kind of really love like her spirit. So those are definitely people who like come to mind, like definitely the weirdos and the trailblazers. I love that. Um, and all three of those people are just top sh shelf choices. Um, so you have this newsletter that you pull all-nighters and put so much care into. Um, you are sharing incredible, exciting, and inspiring things on your social. Um, please, I know we've, we've hinted at it, but where do people find you and how can people support you? Um, yeah, you can find me at benpobjoy.com to sign up for the newsletter, uh, which, you know, I kind of believe in making things like free, no strings attached. So, you know, subscribe if it interests you. It's totally free. Uh, on Instagram, Ben Popjoy, once again, where uh, I kind of do like a daily diary where I share uh, photos from that day's like marathon, as well as like the routing. Uh, and just because I'm very much like interested in breaking 
or exploring the kind of like physical digital divide, I started like a monthly postcard project where uh, you can sign up and I send uh, a postcard once a month from where I am in the world, just to kind of get like a piece of me and a piece of the world and a piece of this adventure uh, in your physical inbox. So all of that is all connected through benpodjoy.com. Now with the postcard piece, is that something that people can give you a bit of financial support? Because I imagine there's people who are going to say, is there a tip jar? Is there something that we can do to sort of give back to you on this? Cover the amount of running shoes you're going through. (laughs) The (laughs) postcard project, like the newsletter project, once again, is proving to be a nightmare because um, I try and really dedicate myself to each postcard. So it takes a bunch of time. So I also priced it just to be kind of like 10 bucks to make it like affordable. So uh, people couldn't do that, but you know, I, I don't, if you do this, you got to do it. So I like, I don't do it for like tips or donations. Like if anything, if you're inspired by it and you want to support it, like get out there, you know what I mean? Buy mm-hmm. yourself a new pair of running shoes sort of thing. Uh, and that's not to say that I don't want help, but um the best tip you can do is to go do it yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's what I want people to take from this as opposed to like, yeah, I could have done a digital tip jar, but this is a luxurious vacation for a year. And I'm asking people for tips, you know, seems like a bit self-righteous, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I would love to already schedule um, a future interview with you when you complete this challenge, because we cannot wait to hear. We can't wait to follow along, but we also want to book some time with you to catch up and hear about all these incredible 200 plus marathons in a year. So consider that booked and thank you so, so much. Okay. What an inspiring conversation. Ben is such a cool guy. Um, He self-professed that He is a DIY and a little bit punk approach to this. And I think that that is something that is so refreshing. Uh, Zero posturing with Ben. And I, for one, cannot wait to follow the rest of his journey. Um, So just really encouraging each one of you. Make sure that you support his journey. If you were at all inspired, follow him, subscribe to that newsletter that he pulls all-nighters to do. Uh, You can also become a monthly patron to receive that handwritten monthly postcard from Ben, from wherever he is in the world. Uh, He does individualize it and uh, takes great care. So I can tell you, Mark and I are signed up and uh, delighted to receive our monthly postcard. Wow. Wow. How great was that? I always learn so much from these endurance icons. If you enjoyed the podcast as well, please consider liking us across social media, subscribing to us on YouTube, or giving us a five-star rating on wherever you listen to your podcasts. We appreciate you and your support so much. We wish you happy training and we'll see you back next week.